0: Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes. To all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. I have a very exciting guest for you. I have someone that has been in the real estate game, in the podcast game, and in the education and helping business for quite a while. And we're going to talk to him about not only what he's doing today, what his story is, but most importantly, what are the greatest lessons he's learned from doing over 6,000 podcast episodes, and more specifically, over 1,500, approaching 1,600 for a show called Creating Wealth. So let's welcome Jason Hartman to the show. How are you doing, sir? Hey, good, Michael. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you for accepting this. Sometimes it's really weird when you get some guy you don't know reaching out saying, hey, let's talk. So I appreciate it. Um, Why don't you just introduce my audience to who you are and what you do in this crazy world of real estate? Sure. So uh,
1: I uh, got my real estate license when I was 19 years old. I was in my first year of college. I wanted to be a real estate investor, but I uh, remember learning from Earl Nightingale back in the day that, you know, if you want to get rich doing something, first learn the business. So I thought I would just learn about real estate by getting my license and brokering. And uh, brokerage took off as an actual career. Uh, I uh, later purchased my own real estate company, then sold it to Coldwell Banker, and uh, after that sale, I got back to my first love. That was a traditional real estate business, mm-hmm. and my first love was really always um, helping investors. Mm-hmm. I really like the investor side of it, the analytical side, and and so forth, and so uh, that's what I've been doing for the last 16 years. I've been helping investors build nationwide real estate portfolios. It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. and. Um, and very profitable as well. And about a year and a half, maybe two years into that part of my career, I started a podcast uh, called The Creating Wealth Show. And now I have many podcast uh, shows and uh, uh, almost 6,000 episodes, give or take. I haven't counted lately, uh, but um, that's, that's what we do. And I, I get to learn an awful lot by talking to people like you all day long. And right. um, that's uh, very beneficial.
0: Yeah and and that's one of the reasons I wanted to that's why I've been trying to kind of chasing you down is you know there's a lot of people out there that kind of you know run the traditional route their investors and they do that for their main thing then there's people that are just out there, kind of the fake gurus that I call them, right? They yep. did, they did a one. Of, a flip. lot
1: of those fake gurus out there. Yes, yes. <laughs> they do
0: one flip, and suddenly they're teaching people how to do it. When I when I know you, I know tre- the, the guy that guy who owns one rental property, and now he's teaching people how to make millions in real estate. So, yeah, you know? yeah. Not, not cool, not cool. Or they're down in L.A. or some expensive city, and they're they're teaching you how to do it there and in other markets. It's just not okay. So. Um, I like the fact that you're, you've been doing this a while. You, you have the traditional route. You've been in the business for, for you know, decades. But I, I really want to talk about the Creating Wealth Show because I think that's what most people come to real estate for. Right? They're enamored, enamored by the wealth that it could create. So uh, I'm curious, you know, when you think about the nearly 1,600 shows, uh, have there been any just big ahas or moments you are like, that is something I'm going to remember for a long time?
1: You know, that would be pretty hard for me to answer that question because I've interviewed so many brilliant people and uh, done a lot of shows that are monologue shows where mm. it's, it's just me uh, talking to the audience. So I, I don't know that I can think of like any sort of one or even no. three big ahas. There've been so many over the years. Uh, but I will tell you, I've definitely come to realize that income property is the most historically proven asset class in the entire world. And uh, it's also the most tax-favored asset class in America. Mm. Taxes are the single largest expense any of us have. So we've got to learn to save on taxes, no matter mm. what we do. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it's 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 just a great opportunity. And especially uh, right now with this mass migration out of urban markets to yeah. suburban markets. And, you know, we were uh, maybe just lucky. We were positioned so well for that. Uh, We didn't really change what we were doing at all uh, (laughs) because that's what we've been doing the last 16 years is helping people invest in these low-cost suburban markets where the properties make really good sense as rentals. And, Michael, you alluded to it, but you didn't really explain it. Your audience probably understands what you meant, but uh, just for those who don't, you talked about those fake gurus teaching people how to do rental properties or flipping or whatever in Los Angeles. And I grew up in LA and uh, you know, that's a, an expensive market. It's a market that's in distress. um, Not a good place to invest at all. Mm -hmm. You could never make the numbers work in a market like that. Uh, It's highly risky. And now people are leaving LA, they're leaving California. um, And that's, Mm -hmm. that trend has been going on for decades, but it's been accelerated by the current pandemic Uh, And and also the civil unrest with, Mm -hmm. you know, the race war and all of this kind of stuff going on. It's it's just crazy and and sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, uh, like you, it's funny because I've been doing this almost 20 years. And in 2019, you know, I was telling people that, you know what? You know Fresno, which is the only market I invest in. It it is a California market, but it's it's Central Valley. It's 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 where but you it, can live it's on inexpensive. sixty. Grand. Yeah, you can so live at on least, sixty. Grand. Yeah,
1: at least Fresno, you it can make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it's, it's you know it's not LA and it's not it's not the Bay Area. Um, yeah. but tell, I was tell, tell
1: us, tell me about your Fresno, Fresno stuff for a minute. Like what's your average price deal there and, uh, that you do, uh, and how much does it rent for? I'm curious.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to say that in 2020, the numbers aren't going to make sense because again, the tilt, right? So the, the, deals I was doing in 2019, you, you could think of it as like a, a 120 to 140 K turnkey house, probably 12, 1250 rent, um, I that's not bad at all. That's a single family home. Yep. Three bedroom, two bath. Maybe you can stretch a four, but probably a three uh, probably a carport or street parking. Cause these are probably 1950s builds, 1960s builds. Um, but yeah, they're solid rentals. Uh, and, uh, but again, I've been doing this a long time, right? I, I, my most active year was 2010 and we were picking up stuff like that because of the crash for under 50 grand, same rents. <laughs> So
1: and um, uh, oh, so one hundred and fifty. It was more expensive
0: then. No, fifty grand under.
1: 50. Oh, 50 grand. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, that's great. And are those in really bad areas? I mean, there's a lot of no. gang activity in Fresno and no, and yeah. Some there's something called the West area,
0: Side, but- which is nine three seven zero six. Mm-hmm. None of these properties are there. And uh, you know, Fresno is not. Um, there was certainly gang activity when I started in early 2000s. They called it's on the West Side. It's it's a place you wouldn't go to. But no, there are plenty of blue collar areas. Uh, there's even you know what what I what I call the Cupertino uh, which is a bay area reference for those watching this uh of fresno right where <laughs> That's where, the where good, apples located <laughs> Exactly where all the good schools are uh so no fresno's grown up it's it's not what some people think it is anymore and again it's a it's one of the few california markets that make sense for buy and hold investors so uh but where i was going with yeah, that is 2000 2000- and and Go ahead. And we've we've looked at a lot of those California
1: markets. I mean, I spent most of my life in California. You know, we've looked at Bakersfield, we've mm-hmm. looked at the Inland Empire and Southern California, Riverside, sure. San Bernardino, and and interestingly, at the beginning of my real estate career, I used to sell HUD and VA repos <laughs> to investors in those markets. Yeah, uh, but you know, they were a lot cheaper back then.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that yeah, it's, uh, it definitely California. California is an interesting market. If, if anyone reads my book, one of the things they're going to see is we were, it's a very volatile market, which can be good or bad, but if you can dance through the raindrops, it could be highly profitable. Uh, So we got out of houses in 07 into apartments. And then in 19, we got out of apartments back into houses and, Hmm. you know, kind of, kind of good timing, right? People were paying crazy cap rates because there was this guy named Grant Cardone saying bigger is better. And, you know, I've owned, I've owned apartments in a recession, and I can tell you that uh, it's not the easiest thing to own in a recession. So that's why we got out. We sold about 50 units in late 19. Uh, but now we're trying to buy as many houses as we can because we see the tilt, right? We see leaving uh, urban areas. We see tech, which I live in the tech capital of the world, telling their employees, go home. And, oh, by the mm-hmm. way, go home yeah. until next summer or go home forever. And now people are going shoot. Do I want to rent a forty-two hundred square foot shoebox in San Francisco, or do I want a three thousand square foot house somewhere else for two grand a month, right? And become owners. I, yeah,
1: you're you're gonna love this. Okay, so I don't know if you saw this article. I just read it this morning, Uh and uh, it is a Zillow forecast that says uh, remote working could create. I'm reading it right here. uh, Zillow, nearly two million renters can become homeowners thanks to telecommuting.
0: Exactly. And,
1: um, the, you know, people have discovered that the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. You know, we used to have, for my company's, big, gorgeous Class A offices yeah. in Orange County, California. Oh. And, um, you know, we used to spend twenty grand a month for office rent and you know when you have an office it's not just the rent there's a whole (laughs) slew of other expenses you know you got i mean you know you got seventy thousand dollars worth of furniture and cubicles um you know and and just a million other expenses so you know twenty twenty-five grand a month we'd be spending on office space we gave up our last office in irvine california in 2012 when the lease was when the lease expired because Everybody wanted to work at home then. And I thought to myself, why am I fighting this trend trying to get my staff to come to the office? Yeah. Let them work at home. I'm going to save money. That's what they want. Yeah, it's fine it's a with a quarter me. of a million dollars
0: a year. I mean, hell yeah, let them
1: work from home. Big deal, definitely, uh, or three hundred thousand a year. Yeah, no, yeah, and um, yeah, that's true. and and so, so this is this is the thing, you know. Um, one of the things I've said on the Creating Wealth Show many times over the years. I started saying this, by the way, back in two thousand twelve. Okay. And uh, you know, let's not misunderstand this statement, but I'll say it right. Geography is less meaningful than it's ever been in human history geography is less meaningful than it's ever been in human history. Now, you know, the the three primary value drivers for real estate since the beginning of time, Michael, (laughs) since we were living in caves has been what? You know what I'm going to say? Location, 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 right? All three. And um, and now uh, that location has really been disrupted uh, because, uh, you know, and the funny thing is, this technology is not new. You know, we had Webex 20 years ago. Yeah. We had Skype what 15, 17 years ago I think Something Skype like came yeah. around. Yeah. You know, it's not like this is Zoom is newer of course, but you know, it's not like this technology is that new, right? Yeah. It's just that now everybody, even my mother who yeah. hates technology is using Zoom. Yep. And they they figured it out because they were forced to and uh yeah, i agree you know employers have figured out uh and and workers have figured it out and um you know companies are going to save a ton of money on office spaces oh businesses. for sure would not want to be investing in office properties right now and um let's let's go back to your point about apartments cuz i think that was interesting too now just to give you my apartment history, I do own one small apartment now with a with a, a client of mine, and um, I used to own with another client uh, two big apartment complexes. One was 139 units. Ooh, wow. Uh, We sold that last year. Another one was 125 units, and we sold that a a few years ago. And we also have a mobile home park together that we still own. But I like single-family homes the best. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I like them the best is that, you know, when you're running an apartment, you got to realize you're running a business. Yes. That's a business. It's going to have, you know, one example like every business. It's going to have a Yelp page. (laughs) And (laughs) tenants are going to go there and complain about your building or your apartment complex and For your sure. bad management. And they're going to get together and start talking to each other and they're going to do rent strikes like they are now. You know, they're, but, and, and the funny thing is, we read all these articles and many of our investors have expressed concern about these rent strikes that are going on around mm-hmm. the country. But that's like a non-issue in the world of single-family homes. At least with our clients and my own portfolio, mm-hmm. everybody's paying the rent. Like, I haven't heard of anybody trying to take advantage of the COVID thing. Mm. Uh, just normal, you know, you're going to have a few non-payers here and there always, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. N- nothing different with COVID. Yeah. But if you have apartment complexes, Oof. there are significant rent strikes going on. A lot of institutional landlords are experiencing that these tenants get together and they form a mutiny. They gang up on you, you know? So it's, it's a different thing. I'm not saying you can't make money. Of course you can. You've made money. I've made money with apartments, but you know, it's, it's just, you got to understand there's a difference between a business Mm -hmm. and an investment. Okay. And that's a business. You can own a bunch of single family homes. That's an investment. It's, it's low management responsibility.
0: Yeah, there's there's so much this is so much fun talking to somebody in the business. So a couple of things. First, back to the employer one. They, you know, you read the Zillow article about two million folks. Again, that's an investable trend. I've been telling folks. We are going to see an uptick of um, home ownership, right? Today, roughly it's about 66, 67 percent. It could approach 70 percent, which would be on par with what we saw in 06, but it will be healthy ownership. The 06 peak right. of 71 yeah. percent. About 4% of that were renters becoming owners that should have never not, should have stayed renters, right? I mean, and
1: and it was it was janitors and school teachers oh, yeah. making you know fifty sixty grand a year buying nine hundred thousand
0: yeah, dollar houses adding a zero the to their um, <laughs> adding yeah, a zero I mean, to their you know, thing it's funny the, but yeah, the I mean, banks just have faked. been
1: very conservative obviously this time around mm-hmm. and they've probably been too conservative but that bodes well for the economy or at least the real estate at least economy.
0: residential real estate yeah exactly, yeah, right, exactly. right right and again right, I think because, I think homeownership's good right I think homeownership I mean I, again my, I can only talk about my, my Personal experience, I would not be where I am today if my mother and father didn't get a GI Bill to buy a house. um, You know, back in Sunnyvale, California, right? Because they didn't, they never had any money, right? So um, that was the thing that we lived on when my dad was unemployed, and we went through these cycles in the '70s and '80s and '90s. So uh, I I believe homeownership is good, and I'm really glad that there'll be two million more homeowners than renters over the next couple years. That's awesome, but also companies are saving money—eleven thousand bucks per employee. That's what I read uh, yeah. yesterday. That's,
1: that's the office space load yeah. for, yeah, right. $11,000 per year per employee, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's and, real and money. And
1: get this, in the post-COVID world, that cost is going to skyrocket. Now, yeah. granted, the office lease itself could get a little cheaper, yeah, but, cleaning, but the packing density yeah. per employee has got to get way lower you know, uh, there's, you know, you can uh, pack maybe one employee to 200 square feet per person of office space. But now with social distancing, you know, that (laughs) Total layouts. Why change. you know huge, huge layouts, uh, building walls to separate offices, uh, yeah. really expensive HVAC units, ducting, filters, Ugh. wide hallways, all sorts of problems. And everybody listening should understand this, Michael. This is not just about COVID. No, yeah. it's about paranoia. It's about post-traumatic stress disorder. Even after there's a vaccine, yeah. there's going to be another thing. There's going to be a new SARS. We'll there's going to be a new swine yeah. flu. Everybody's going to be paranoid. This is like a generational shift, if you ask me. This is, this is not going back to normal anytime soon. I'm glad you brought uh, up that generational
0: world. Because I, I've been talking for a long time that, you know, I, I'm, I'm 50, right? So I've been waiting for the crisis that changes consumer behavior. It wasn't the dot-com crash. It wasn't 9-11. It wasn't the financial crisis. As horrible as all of those were, and they were all horrible individually, they didn't change consumer behavior. What we are in now, this 2020 year, is going to change consumer behavior for at least a decade and perhaps Mm -hmm. multiple decades. And that's going to be, perhaps we save more. Perhaps the whole notion of an emergency fund becomes real. Savings is up. People are saving more right? We still have the, the I, I have a chart I could share with you that will blow
1: your mind about the personal savings rate when the lockdowns were really in full swing. I mean, the personal, it's like a hockey stick. Yeah. The personal savings rate just skyrocketed. Yeah. And yes, you know, when you have an economy based 70% of the S&P based on consumption, yep. you know, that's not good uh, in the short term. Yep. But overall, listen, if you want to have a wealthy society, you've Got to have capital formation. People have got to save some money, yes. uh, so that they can invest and buy a house and mm-hmm. and whatever. So. Yeah,
0: and then and get through crisis without going to zero, right? That's that's right. This is all right. good things. It, it's it's felt in the short term. Hence a Q Q2 drop in GDP of you know thirty plus percent. Um, a lot of that was savings, right? Because when you save, it doesn't go to GDP. So um, you know it's very important stuff. But then let's go back to apartments and my love of houses. Again, I've been doing this a long time. I will invest whatever the best deal is. Uh, Today, I believe it's clearly housing. We have the tilt, which we've already talked about, uh, which is when you compound that with lack of supply, means prices go up, right? If you're already an owner of stuff in the suburbs, it's going to be good
1: explain uh the tilt what does that mean yeah i think
0: i think what we're seeing with the u.s tilt is you know again picking on new york and san francisco you can throw la in as you want there's a mass exodus from these high densely Well, you can you can
1: throw seattle in there you can throw a whole bunch of places yeah chicago of course is a disaster i mean yeah
0: and it's all going the the tilt is going south right warmer arizona nevada texas but I, i even call it a greater tilt. We're talking Georgia, Florida, you know, that kind of, yep. that panhandle down there. That's the tilt that I see. Business-friendly, right-to-work states. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that- With that, low taxes. With low or no taxes. Yeah. Or at least yeah, state or, taxes. Yeah, in good weather.
1: Yeah. Hey, yep. listen, I live in Florida
0: now. I have zero state income tax. It's awesome. <laughs> good for you. But again, I think that that's <laughs> becoming investable as well. I think, I think, you know, just look at what's happened between New York and Miami, right? Manhattan uh, real estate just read this morning: fifteen thousand vacant homes in Manhattan just came out this morning. Yeah. But you're seeing million-dollar homes fly off the shelf in Miami. That is, people with yeah. financial means are leaving. And oh, by the way, don't forget taxes. Right? You've already talked about Florida being zero. Uh, California and New York are both looking to raise taxes on the wealthy, and which yep. is idiotic because the wealthy have the most financial means, the most flexibility. They will leave, and then what will happen? people don't see it coming. The middle class is going to have to pick up the bill and taxes yep. are going to go up on.
1: And, and the middle class has been leaving for decades now. And you know, this, this is just accelerating the trend that was already happening. Um, and if you look at the tax proposal uh, from um, Uh, Biden, it is absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. If you combine that, and I just did a podcast on this on Tuesday, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was Tuesday's episode where I did a huge rant on this. Mm -hmm. And I did some math on it. If they get their way in terms of federal tax rates, uh, and you combine that with living in a place like the Socialist Republic of New York or California, uh, or, you know, any other high tax environments, you could literally be paying 68% 68% of your income yep. in income tax you'll be working for the government for almost 8 months of the year <laughs> 8 months of the year goes to the government almost and and then not not only that if they if they do a federal end or a state wealth tax yep which means just understand how insidious that idea is it's it's so scary because When, if someone got wealthy, they've paid tax all along the way. They've already paid tax, right? Many times over. But, but after that, okay, then you take uh, the business they have, the real estate they have, the savings account, the brokerage account they have, and you say, okay, pay us a percentage of that every year. Yeah. Well, what if they say, you know, the business isn't liquid? Yep. Uh, Well, sorry, you're going to have to sell the business. Lay everybody off yeah. uh, or whatever. Maybe it's an inopportune time to sell it. Maybe the market's not good. Maybe yeah. the timing's not right. Sell the business to pay the tax. It's that is insane. That is so, that would be yeah. so destructive. That's and, so um, I did it, It's happening at the state level. Yeah. Uh, in terms of California, for sure. They've, they've got yeah. it on well, the San table. San Francisco at the city Trump level. 14.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's, no, it's idiotic. It's funny that we, we see the world the same mm-hmm. way. I tried to simplify yeah. it. I, I, I did a show and my wife's Asian. So we have mangoes at home. So I did a show about a mango tree. And I said, think about this as a mango tree, right? Your mango produces a hundred mangoes a year, but because it produces more mangoes. than 50. I just had you one, have, one the other day. <laughs> yeah, because, because it produces more than 50, you owe me 10% of that mango tree every year. So it produces a hundred. Mm-hmm. Now you have to give 10 away. You whack the branch. Now you get 90 the next year. Mm-hmm. You whack the branch. Yep. Now you have 81. Yep. Pretty soon you're down to a stub and you have no more mangoes. That's what this stupid wealth tax is.
1: Yeah. Welcome to socialism and communism. It doesn't, it, it never, it's never worked anywhere in the world or at any time in history.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's see if we can't turn this around and make it more positive. Because again, I see tremendous investing opportunities coming. I think we do have pain through the rest of 2020. It just, we are in it. It's muck. It's mire. It's, yeah. <laughs> But I see coming out of well, this. Well, I don't know 2021? if we have pain. I mean, oh, really? I mean,
1: I'm not. I'm not. Do we have pain? Uh, I mean, it's certainly there are many people suffering, yes. but there are many other people doing great. I mean, it's very uneven.
0: Oh yeah, that's going it's on. the K-shaped um, recovery I've been talking about, right? If you're if you're on yeah. the winning side of the K, right, up, right, you're in the assets, yeah, yeah, you're you're you but the largest percentage of folks. Probably always been that way or on the other side of the K uh, and down. I do think, I do think some of these people though,
1: hang Mm -hmm. hang on,
0: Michael, one thing
1: I want to point out though, some of the people who are seemingly on the downside of the K Mm -hmm. who are unemployed, who are in, you know, maybe the restaurant service industry or or whatever where they can't work or they Mm -hmm. can't, you know, their businesses aren't making very much money, right? Mm -hmm. They are using this downtime to improve themselves They're learning how to code. They're starting a home-based business. They're doing all kinds of stuff and they're saving money. So, you know, some people are going to rise out of the ashes of this. And it's going to be really overall, they're going to move into a better life and have more wealth to
0: stimulate the economy
1: with. So it's, again, those who are using this time as an opportunity will be okay.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And I came from the lower side of the K. So it is certainly possible. It's what makes America great and all of those things. Me too. And that's why I call 2021 going to be the year of the entrepreneur. Because not only do I see people on the bottom side of the K using this opportunity, saving money and then moving up, but I also see restaurants and retail and all these people that yes, there will be bankruptcies. Yes, there will be closures. But the people that will step in behind them, They will get remarkably low lease rates. They'll be able to charge less for food or have higher gross margins, whatever they choose. And they'll be set up for a year of gangbuster or decades if you sign a long enough lease, uh, you know, going forward. So I I see 2021 in going forward being really good. I I personally think we have more pain just because of the negativity out there that we're just, and we're all going to, a lot of people will buckle down as we get closer to the election because who knows what happens there. But I think we come out of this in January, you know, Guns ablazing, we're going to have low interest rates for seemingly a decade. I think I think it gets really good next year.
1: That's interesting, because um, we had an event recently, our annual Meet the Masters of Income Property Conference, and it was our first time doing it virtually. And one of our speakers was Ken McElroy. Mm -hmm. And he's predicting, um, you know, he's the rich dad author, uh, if anybody knows. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, he's predicting a pretty gloomy uh, time coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, I think he's pretty apartment heavy. Nope. Yeah, Of course he is. He's totally, up, that's a hundred percent. And I think the move will be away from apartments because yep. of density, of course. Uh, people don't want to live in high density environments, but um, you know, I, I think, I, I just don't think anyone can make statements like that because it's so uneven. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it, sure. it just depends. It depends. And yeah. you know, like Wayne Gretzky said, skate to where the puck is going. And yeah. We know, that. your listeners know, my listeners know, my YouTube uh, watchers know where the puck is going. And,
0: right. you know, so. Yeah. I, I, I Again, Ken McElroy is a great guy. If you guys don't have his book, I think it's ABC's of real estate investing written 20 years ago. Yes. You know, I have one of the first copies or one of the first runs. Uh, so, so like the guy uh, and I love what he's doing on his YouTube channel. Uh, but again, he is apartment heavy. I do think, I think hospitality is in the most pain, right? There's a lot of resetting in hotels, probably going to condoize some of those. Um, retail is next, office is next, and then there's apartments. Who's the winner? I think it's what we talked about earlier single family homes. We have 2 million yeah. more owners coming. We have, first off, there are going to be losers. San Francisco is going to lose, right? Home values are going to go down. New York, Manhattan, home values are going to go down. But when you talk national numbers, you're going to probably see, you know, 8, 9, 10% uh, nationally because, I, and again, I think builders were caught off guard. Right there's a lot of development in San Francisco and New York, that now they're discounting. Right, some discounts are fifty percent because you know now people are leaving and and you know we're not building in the suburbs. So I think there's a lot of construction coming yep. and real estate's ten percent of GDP. You know it could it could be 14 percent for a couple of years. Uh, I think single family homes are the are the winner out of this. I think.
1: I think you're, I think you are absolutely right. I think you nailed it. And uh, when you say builders were caught off guard, you talked about the builders in these high density cities that people are leaving, mm-hmm. but builders in the suburbs, business is booming. Right. I mean, and, they are just raking it in right now. Lumber costs have skyrocketed. Yeah, some uh, adding, yep. percent Adding about yeah. Adding about $14,000 to the price of mm-hmm. any new home, the yeah. average new home. And um, it's just the, the supply shortages continue. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's absolutely crazy. We we just don't have enough inventory for our investors. We need more housing inventory. That's the key thing.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I'd love to talk to you about is is the great, I don't know if it's a great hope. I actually think people are are making more out of this than there is, but it'd be interesting to see where you are is all of this forbearance, right? A lot of the, or there's some inventory that would be on the market today that isn't because it's in forbearance. You can argue how much that is because there are some people who lost their job that can't pay the mortgage that, you know, in normal times, that would be a sell. If they have equity, it would be a sell. If they don't, then it would be a foreclosure and all of that stuff. Um, But unlike last time the banks are helping people right i invested last time and the banks said they won't help unless you're 90 days late in 06 07 now they're like shoot you can have a 90 day forbearance for a click on a web page right totally different they've
1: they've got their act together this time they they know what to do they learned their lessons 12 years ago don't wait offer the assistance right away. And, you know, then you can call those loans performing because you've done a plan. You've got a plan, right? Uh, And and the government acted quickly and so did the Federal Reserve. I mean, it's, you know, Jerome Powell's a pretty interesting Federal Reserve chair he, he's the complete opposite of Alan Greenspan who talked in code, you know, he's just like, whatever you need, we're going to give it to you. And uh, you know, that's great for real estate investors. Yeah. There's no
0: reading between the line. There's no Greenspan or there's no code. I I think that's very well said. He's very clear uh, and concise. But again, I think, I think, you know, do you see enough inventory sort of stuck in forbearance that would actually marginally impact, you know, supply? Or do you think most of it gets worked out or stuck well, on his seconds or what?
1: Are, are, you saying that, are you saying that that's inventory that would end up going to foreclosure? Well, I don't necessarily see it. Yeah,
0: I don't think it'll be necessary or, with foreclosures, but it might be a sale, right? Because you could have 20% uh-huh. equity, but no job. Yeah. And you want to get that 30 yeah. grand out, right? That's still a sale. It's not a foreclosure. But I'm thinking right. there's yeah. some inventory. Let's just call it 2 million homes that are in forbearance between the government-backed and, and private banking. And what I don't know what the number is, might be 4 million, but let's say it's 2 million. I think more than half of that stuff gets worked out because they can go for a year and most people can get a job within a year. Um, And then they'll just stick on the payments as a second, as I've heard, which again is they they didn't do that 12 years ago. Um, So I think a lot of that gets worked out. But I do think there's some inventory that will come on the market when forbearance periods end. And I think it's arguable how much. Well,
1: so that's really shadow inventory Correct. you're asking about. Mm-hmm. Um first of all, we don't know if forbearance will end.
0: Mm, that's because
1: fair. there's there's always another bailout coming. <laughs> this is a very fair. interventionist government. That's fed fair. and Fanny Freddie are are very much mm-hmm. interventionist, which mm. you know, you could argue that that's good because they're they're not sitting on their Uh, You know, sitting there doing nothing, right? Uh, So, uh, you know, I I think we can almost really just hang our hat on as there's always going to be another program. Okay. The, the government does not sit by anymore. That's just okay. not the world we live in. Okay. Uh, so you know, people are saying, "Well, what happens when this ends? What happens when the you know the 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 bailouts of whatever f- type and fashion end? Well, what makes you think they're going to end? That's it's point. politically popular yeah. to to give goodies uh, to people. Okay. I mean, everyone from you know Hugo Chavez to Obama to Bush to you know uh, the current. <laughs> (laughs) administration, Trump, you know, whatever, the next administration. I mean, no, no administration unless, you know, Ron Paul is going to run for president again, uh, would ever say we're not going to do anything and we're going to be like libertarians and get out of the way and Mm. let the market take its medicine. That's just not the world we live in anymore. So that's the first thing. I don't think anything's ending. Okay. I mean, it might end for a matter of a few months, but then there'll just be another thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, and I think we can, I think we really can bank on that. Uh, okay. I think we absolutely can. Awesome. Um, okay. So, so, so that's one part of it, but you know, that inventory could be absorbed so quickly. Yeah. I mean, that's where I and, was going. and and keep in mind, yeah. even if forbearance ends, say it did end right, but that's not going to get people to move. They're just not going to pay. So they're going to sit there as long as they can for free and last time around, we saw foreclosures in the judicial foreclosure states oh, yeah. take a year, two years, three years. Three years, yeah. Um, there there are people even in non-judicial states like California that are still sitting in their homes and haven't made a payment in many more years than that. Oh, I, yeah. I know there of one. Some. Yeah. And um it's yeah, so they're gonna milk that as long as they possibly can. Yeah. So again, that makes the uh that makes the time frames uneven, correct? Which is actually good for the market because yeah. no absorption inventory dump easier. ever occurs. Yep. It, absorption is slow and, and measured. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, not measured, but, but it's you get spread time. out. Yeah, and yeah, and there are, there is so much demand to absorb anything in the suburbs or even rural areas. Yes. as long as it's not a high-rise condo in a city. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. You're fine. I mean, it's the market has a lot of legs. Yeah. I think, I think the K
0: K shape recovery we talked about earlier about investors moving up. I think it's same for the same for the real estate markets. I think, uh, like just pick on New York and San Francisco and then insert any other city you want. They're going to be compounding things that go bad. I mean, for example, if you ask for forbearance in a condo in San Francisco that was worth 5 million and now the, the, you know, the building's half full, um, You're going to let that thing go just like last time. I mean, strategic default was a freaking verb, you know, back in 2006 and seven and urban cities are going to have them, but the market, the country absorption, the demand is so high that it'll just absorb it. And you're right. It's, it's uneven, right? It never comes on all at one time. Right. I was buying a lot in 2009 and 10 and every Monday you would just see a big dump and you know, in the MLS, it's just not going to be that way. They learned their lessons from last time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, as we wrap this up, I want to make sure uh, we kind of broach this subject again nearly 1,600 episodes of creating wealth. Uh, and I'll just ask it plainly this way Do you think it's still possible for someone starting today to create wealth with real estate?
1: Well, the first way I'd answer that question is I mean, what's your. What is your other option? What's the alternative? <laughs> On my show, I always ask what my listeners have dubbed the Jason Hartman question. I didn't ah. make that up; they said that. Okay? okay, and the Jason Hartman question is, compared to what? Ah. that's always the question to ask. So, what else are you going to do? You can yeah. invest in the stock market. Uh, you're going to think you're going to create wealth with your day job. Um, not likely. Uh, yeah. You know, what are you going to buy? Gold? I, I mean, Bitcoin? Uh, you know, none of all these things are very speculative. Yeah, they could do well, but then they'll do badly. Then they'll yeah. do well again, and you know, it's a roller coaster. I agree. So the the sure thing is income property. It's the most historically proven asset class in the entire world. It's the most tax favored asset class in America. It's the most debt friendly asset class in America. Mm-hmm. And that debt can make you rich. Uh, I, you know, I explain that in detail on my, my show and my YouTube channel, inflation-induced debt destruction uh, mm-hmm. concept. So, um, yeah, I think it's a fantastic investment class.
0: Very cool, Jason. Well, do us a favor. How can, all, how can my audience follow you? You do so many things. Where do you want them to go? You do so much for us.
1: Yeah. On any podcast platform, uh, just type my name, Jason Hartman. That's H-A-R-T-M-A-N, Jason Hartman. And you'll find the Creating Wealth Show and many other podcast shows that I do. Uh, YouTube, same thing. I've got a a growing YouTube channel and a lot of good information there. And then my website is just jasonhartman.com. So uh, happy investing to
0: everybody and and to you, Michael. And uh, thanks for having me. You got it, buddy. Take care of yourself. Bye.